0: This morning we're going to take up one of the great Christmas passages on the birth of Jesus Christ. It is the announcement by the angel to Joseph, Mary's husband, that Jesus is going to be born. We're also going to hear the prophecy from which this passage comes in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah in chapter 7. Now, of course, this is a Christmas message But why should Matthew chapter 1 be relegated to Christmas Day? It is a promise for every day. There was a time when Christmas as we know it was not. And still, Matthew chapter 1, the angel's announcement of Emmanuel... The birth of Jesus Christ who is God with us. It mattered even when we weren't celebrating Christmas like we do. And it matters now. It matters not only because it is the Christmas season which we're grateful for. But it matters because God coming to us in Christ is the long-awaited promise. God coming to us in Christ is the beginning of the gospel events of Jesus Christ in His life, and His death on the cross, and His resurrection from the tomb. God coming to us in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, is the promise that not only gets Christ to us, but us to God. It gets us through this world. It's the promise that calls us to faith. It's the promise that grounds our hope In a future home so December revolves around Christmas Day but our hope and our prayer is that the reality of Emmanuel will take hold in us this month so that every single day every day we will live with the assurance that God is with us so this is my prayer as we begin the month of December together if you'll stand with me in honor of God's Word And he called his name Jesus. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. God is with us. That's the great hope for all time. It brings peace to us. It frees us to love. And it generates our joy. God is with us. This is the great reality that is revealed in the Bible and in all of history. I'm going to take you on a quick tour. What made the Garden of Eden good? God was there. God was with them. We don't have to fixate on the fruit. God was there. When our first parents sinned against God in the garden, God sent them out of the garden. But he did not send them from his presence in every sense. There was now and is now a spiritual separation from God, which only God could and would bridge. But God did not abandon his people or the world. And so the Lord continued to make his presence known. To the children of these first parents, Adam and Eve, and to their grandchildren, God was with them to Cain and Abel to Enoch who walked with God and God took him and he was no more to Noah who was saved in the ark God came God with them the presence of God God with them is really the only light in all of those early dark chapters of the Bible Genesis 12 God came to Abraham This is when God began His redemptive work through a particular people. And He said, I am with you. I will be with you. So get up and go to the land that I'm going to show you. The presence of God is what moved Him out. And so when that people who came from Abraham multiplied and became a great nation, but also enslaved in Egypt... God raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. Moses was going to lead them out. God came to Moses and said, I will be with you. So the people are delivered. But now they're in the desert. They're moving toward the promised land via a 40 year wandering. And God said, I'm with you in a pillar. Of cloud and of fire. And then Moses died. The people are now getting ready to enter the promised land, and God raised up Joshua to lead them in. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, I am with you. Now, time is not going to allow me to continue this tour through the Bible to trace the promised reality of God's presence through the prophets, although he said it over and over to the prophets, to the people of God through the prophets, and into the Gospels where Jesus was with his disciples, and even in the epistles to that post-resurrection church. But we must make reference to one more time. It's at the very end. It's in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, we learn that the end is really the end is really a continual forever of a new heaven and a new earth and there will be no need for a temple no need for moon or sun why because god is there god brings us into it he brings us into it to us and us into it it's a good place the new heaven and the new earth are a good place because God is there. So the question is, what does the birth of Jesus Christ, recorded in Matthew chapter 1, how does it fit into this history? And here's the answer because it is the history. The birth of Jesus Christ is the event of God with us, it's not the promise. It's the fulfillment. It's the event in history in which God came to us in Jesus Christ, His Son, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Every promise before this had an element of mystery, and it's shadowy. You, you've, got to, you've got to admit that, right? We read these prophets, and there's a shadowy sense to it. What is, what's going on here? And We'll even see today in Isaiah 7. We can't quite get our head around exactly what's going on there. All the promises before have the element of mystery. They're shadowy. Jesus is the substance. He's the actual, final, sustained, permanent presence of God with us. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. Every salvation, blessing, and benefit are in Him because He is with us. And that's why this account is so important. It is not the promise, not the shadow. It's the reality. It's the substance of Emmanuel. God is with us. We're going to look at the text. We're going to ask what it means. What what does it mean for us? And then we'll hear the call to faith. Here's the passage. Verse 18. The birth of... Of Jesus Christ took place in this way now again why the interest in Jesus in the previous verses there's a genealogy we didn't read that I spared you that and plus those are difficult names (laughs) but there's a genealogy it's laid out it begins with Abraham the father of the Jewish people the people through whom would come the blessing of the nations and then it touches on David The great king of Judah, who was promised a son, a son who would reign in a kingdom that would be established forever. And then it touches on one named Joseph, who's a descendant of Abraham and David. He is, interesting language in verse 16, he is the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. The interest in Jesus is because he is the Christ. He is the promised one from long ago. He is the chosen one of God. And as the account will show, he is the Savior of his people and he is God with us. So to explain the language of verse 16, interesting language, Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom Jesus was born, Matthew gives us the event. The event is in this genealogy and he tells us how it happened. And here's how it happened. Mary. Legally, publicly pledged to Joseph in marriage. The custom was that there would be a waiting period, and so they were they were considered married in a sense, but the custom was there was a waiting period before they lived together and before they consummated the marriage. Mary became pregnant. The text is very clear. We don't need to hang in suspense. By the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, not by the sexual union of Joseph and Mary. She was, here's interesting language, she was found to be with child. So it's miraculous, it's a, what we would call a virginal conception. It's a natural gestation period. It's a natural, real human birth while she's still a virgin. So, miraculous conception does not mean there was no morning sickness. It does not mean that her body did not change. Miraculous virginal conception does not mean she didn't show So she was found out, found to be with child. Obviously, Joseph noticed and he resolved. There's a combination in Joseph of his just character and his compassion for Mary. This is a good man. Now, we're not told what Mary told him, we're not told if Mary told him anything. We just know that he found that she was with child and he did not want to shame her. So he decided to end the legal betrothal quietly, not putting her to public shame and accusation through a whole ordeal. But that's his resolve. But, verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, and listen to these words, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. As the Lord had said so many times to His people in the past, when He came to them, when He showed His presence to them, when He said, I am with you, as He said to them, He said to Joseph, do not fear. This is so common. That we almost get the sense that do not fear is an essential part of God is with you. It's like every time God shows up, it seems, he says, do not fear. It's a very, very important message for us, maybe for you, certainly for me. Do not fear. He hasn't even told him yet that he's going to be Emmanuel, but he says, do not fear. And then the news that Mary's pregnancy is from the Holy Spirit. then verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, conceived and will bear. This is real. This was real. Other than the conception by the Holy Spirit, everything else that happened in Mary's body and in Jesus' body was natural, like all human development in the womb and like all deliveries of all babies. Which tells us, because she's conceived by the Spirit and she gives birth as a woman, it tells us something about the very nature of Jesus, that He is divine. He is God. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural conception. He's human. He's born of a woman. And then He's given the name Jesus. Jesus is the same name as Joshua. Different languages, Hebrew and Greek. But it's the same name and it means this. The Lord saves. He's given the name the Lord saves. The Lord saves his people. The Lord is salvation. Those are various translations. Why give him this name, Jesus? For because he will save his people from their sins. It's a whole sermon there, but it's next week. And then verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the, Lord, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Lord spoke this. There's some historical context. I've got to take you on a little side journey, okay? I've got to take you back 700 years. Because you need to, it's very important that we understand this. this was, there's something going on 700 years ago. And this is a prophet who's speaking in a real situation 700 years before Jesus. This is how it went. The Lord spoke. He spoke through a prophet named Isaiah. And he spoke to a king. The king's name was Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of Judah. He was of the house of David. You remember, don't you? I told you about the genealogy. It touched on Abraham, touched on David. He's of the house of this king is, King Ahaz, he's king of Judah, of the house of David. Ahaz also is mentioned in the genealogy. 700 years before Jesus was born, Judah was threatened. And so the hope of the house of David. Threatened by the Syrians and Israel from the north. And the people of Judah are in fear. And so is Ahaz. Isaiah was the prophet of God during this time. And he came to Ahaz, and he said, be careful, and be quiet, and do not fear. There it is. That's what God told Ahaz 700 years before when he was threatened to be invaded from the north. He said, be careful, be quiet, and don't fear. Don't let your fear cause you to do something unwise. Like, rely upon another nation to deliver you instead of me. The Lord said, Their threats will not come to pass. And then the Lord said to Ahaz through Isaiah, If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. Do you see the themes that are being tied together here? Because he's about to announce, Emmanuel, God is with you. Don't fear. Be firm in your faith. Trust me, is the message coming through this. Then the Lord said to Ahaz through Isaiah, Ask me for a sign. Now, Ahaz is an interesting character. He's a man of great pride, but he has this false humility. He appears that he doesn't want to put God to the test. But really, he doesn't want to rely upon God. So he says, oh, I would never put the Lord to the test. He makes a very good statement, don't test God, to cover up his disobedience, because it's God who told him to ask for the sign. So the Lord said, okay, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Here's the sign. A virgin shall conceive. This is Isaiah 7, 14. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And shall call his name Emmanuel. Now the interpretations about how and when and by whom this oracle of God to Ahaz was fulfilled in the days of Isaiah. But what is obvious is this. From Matthew it is obvious that whatever mystery surrounded the prophecy in Isaiah's day, that prophecy was a shadow. It was a shadow that was leading. If you start at the tip of it and work your way forward, you're going to the substance. It's pointing forward to a time when the substance would be seen. And Matthew tells us, in the birth of Jesus Christ, this is how the whole thing started. This is how the birth went. Because the shadow points to the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why Matthew is telling us that it went this way. The Lord has opened the mouth of Isaiah. To make a prophecy to Ahaz. And so the Lord opened the mind of Matthew to see that the true fulfillment of that prophecy, that God is with us, that do not fear, that rest your heart, that trust me promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why this whole thing is important and that's why it's here. And so with that announcement, verse 24... When Joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took his wife but he knew her not did not consummate the marriage until she had given birth but afterwards they did and he called his name Jesus now Mary was already pregnant and Jesus was going to be born regardless of what Joseph did but Joseph did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. He took her as his wife, he cared for her, and he named his child, their child, exactly what the Lord said. You know what you call this? You call this the obedience of faith. You call it trusting in God to the point of obedience. Well, there's the account. The question is, what does it mean? what does it mean for us well we know what it means it means Emmanuel God is with us look at look at that verse 23 you call his name Emmanuel which means God with us it means that Jesus Christ is God and it means that Jesus Christ because he became a man is God with us the woman in Isaiah 7 named her child Emmanuel as a sign that God would be with his people. But the child was just a mere child. There was nothing special about the child except that the child was named Emmanuel to say to the people God is with his people. Mary named her child Emmanuel because her child is God with us. We call this the incarnation. The word incarnation means in flesh. We call this God in flesh, God in humanity, God taking manhood while remaining God. This is how God is with us in the fullest sense. He is with us in Jesus Christ in full humanity while being fully God. God is not with us in Jesus as an angel, God is not with us in Jesus as a sign. God is with us in Christ in the flesh, in a person. Jesus Christ being that person conceived in a woman in her womb by the Holy Spirit and born the divine human one to us. That's what it means. That's what Emmanuel means. That's the historic events, what happened It all, everything, history, eternity, salvation, hinges right here on the coming of Jesus Christ as God with us. But what does it mean for us? And I emphasize that word for. Because when you read Matthew 1, this is what we know God is with us, and God is for us. God came for us. We are an against kind of people. We have an against mindset. We are against God. We are against each other. We are against everything. We are against reality. We're making decisions that are just not in keeping with basic created reality. But God is with us in Christ for us. God is here. God came here in Jesus, verse 21, to save us from our sins. God is for us in our salvation. God wants to forgive you. He is against your sin. He acted against your sin in His own Son. But He is for you. He wants to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you and reconcile you. This is what He wants to do. He came for you. Can you hear that today? God is here for us for the purification of our lives. We read in just two chapters over in Matthew that John the Baptist announced that Jesus is going to baptize. When he, John said, I baptize you with water. But when, when, the one, when the one comes, when you see the one and only, he's going to baptize you, how? With the Spirit and with fire. 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 God is with us. God came to us in Christ for our purification. He wants to purify our lives. He is here to sanctify us. He is here to this ongoing process of conforming to Jesus Christ. This is good. This is the most positive direction God could take us. We ask God for all sorts of things. People get on television and tell them God gave them all sorts of things, and it's ridiculous because most of them have absolutely zero to do with the fact that he changes them to look like Jesus. This is what he came to do. He came to change us. It's beautiful. It's good. It's for us. He is here for us to carry our sorrows and our sufferings and to see us all the way through. Another great prophecy of Jesus coming in Isaiah 53 calls him the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Then it says, because he bore our grief and he carried our sorrows. He's for us. The greatest grief and the greatest sorrow that you and I can have is the grief and the sorrow of bearing the weight of our own sin. And he lifted it. He lifted it off of you. And he put it on himself and he carried it in a cross. The man of sorrows acquainted with grief has removed the sorrow and the grief of your own sin from you, and he now yoked up with him, believing in him. He carries every grief and every sorrow of yours. He is with you. He loves you. He is going to carry you. He's going to get you all the way home. Don't give up. Some of you are wondering when that's going to happen. Trust me, it will happen. Nobody has ever escaped that time. And he will carry you and walk with you and share your sorrow, and share your suffering, and share your grief every step of the way. He came for you. He dealt with your sin. He purifies your heart, and He is going to carry you all along. And Matthew tells us, He is with us all the way to the end. I love the way Matthew ends. He begins with Emmanuel God with us, and He ends with Jesus saying, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's sending us into the world. He's sending us for the nations. He is here for the nations. And he's sending his church into the nations. And he will be with us all the way home. That's what it means. It means, it means in Jesus, God is with us. And it means God being with us is God is for us. Once we get our purpose once, once we get God's purpose for us, for Him coming to us, once we get this fixed in our minds, and then once we set our purposes in His purposes, that we be saved and purified and sanctified and seen through and carried along and sent into the world, then we can with all confidence, we can, we can be the people on this planet, the redeemed people of God with all confidence who sing and who declare and who believe and who rest in the fact of Emmanuel. God is with us, and God is for us. We can sing, our hearts can sing these words. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters he's the first one and he rebirths us that we can follow along with him in newness of life I'm supposed to read this not preach it sorry and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified what then Shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? One more part of all this it's the call to faith. This is grace. Everything we've said today is pure grace. It is the grace of God that he would come to us in Christ. It is lavished grace that he remains with us and carries us. Grace upon grace. And you know what grace does? Grace calls for faith. In Isaiah, the Lord called Ahaz to trust him. He said, trust me. Be quiet. Rest. Trust me. Don't fear. Be careful. And Isaiah wouldn't do it. Or or, or Ahaz wouldn't do it. The virgin in Isaiah married and then conceived and had with her husband and bore a son. And she did give that child the name Emmanuel because she did trust God. In Matthew, the word of the Lord came to Joseph. And in Luke, it came to Mary. And the word of the Lord told them, you're going to bear a son. Name him Jesus because God saves, name him Emmanuel, because God's with you. And they trusted. They believed him. And they did exactly what God told them to do. So here we are today. We are called to trust the Lord. We're called to trust that he's with us. We're called to trust that he's for us. Do you? Have you ever asked for a sign? Lord, give me a sign that you're with me. Well, that's what the Lord said to Ahaz. But the Lord doesn't tell us to look for a sign. He didn't 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 tell us to ask for a sign. The Lord says, the sign has come. Look to Jesus. When your heart doubts, when you're fearful, when you wonder if your sins are really forgiven. When you, when you wonder if God is really with you. When you're questioning whether He will get you all the way home. When you're not quite sure you're going to make it. Say, Give me a sign. No. You look. And you see Jesus. And you keep looking at Jesus. And you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he is the fulfillment of the sign. He's the substance of the shadow. He is with us. So be careful. Be careful what's going on in your mind and heart. Be careful. Watch out. Unbelief will lead you places you don't want to go. Be quiet. Take a deep breath. Let's trust him. Let's don't fear. Let's don't faint. Our God is with us.